First-time mothers and newly pregnant women may frequently find themselves trying to learn, as it said, what to expect when you're expecting. From what foods to eat to what to avoid, the questions can be limitless. Amber Vey, an Ogden Clinic OBGYN, sat down with us to answer a few of those common questions that newly expecting mothers may want to know. Dr. Vey has lived all over the country from her residency in Hawaii to Washington, Missouri, and Arizona. She's even practiced medicine for a year at a battalion aid station in Iraq. Welcome to The Daily Diagnosis, a healthy lifestyle podcast provided by Ogden Clinic. We're your prescription for health-centered conversation, stories, and advice. I'm Parker Shaw, and with the help of my team and featuring the talented providers of Ogden Clinic, you'll reach a positive prognosis for your podcast addiction by listening to The Daily Diagnosis. Welcome, Dr. Bay. Okay, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. Uh, Once again, this is Parker from the marketing team here. And Tim Cook from the marketing team. And Sharice Vasquez from the marketing team. So this is actually Sharice's first episode. We're happy to have her. Happy to be here. And we're also with one of our newest providers for Ogden Clinic, um, Amber Vey. So Amber, we want to get to know you, have our audience get to know you as well. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Amber Vey. I'm going to be, I am an OBGYN at McKay Hospital with Ogden Clinic. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Arizona. Uh, I was born and raised there. Um, in high school, I moved to Hawaii for a few years. Wow. And then, yep. And then I went back uh, to Arizona State for college. Uh, so go Devils. That'll be not <laughs> not popular here. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, and then I went to um, the Uniform Services University, uh, which is the me- military medical school back in Bethesda, Maryland. Awesome. Okay, so jumping back, what island did you live on when you were in Hawaii? I lived on Oahu. Okay, very yeah. cool. And you guys were talking about before um, we started recording how you liked to play basketball when you were younger. Uh, what position did you play? Tell us a little bit about um, that. Well, it was, I started at point guard when I was in uh, Arizona. And then when I went to Hawaii, I was not the shortest. I was kind of in between. Oh, okay. So I ended up being uh, a number three. That was kind of my my good spot nice. for myself. Yeah. That's way cool. I was in between the uh, Filipinos and the Samoans. So okay. That's, a- <laughs> That's awesome. And tell us a little bit about your family. Uh, I am one of five girls. Um, the rest of them are still in Arizona. Um, in fact, my dad had joined the military in high school. That's what originally brought us uh, to Oahu. So moving from the warm state of Arizona in the middle of Utah's winter, what made you decide Ogden? Uh, well, one of my uh, military friends uh, practices with Ogden Clinic, Dr. Dunning, who's one of the general surgeons, Um I think well-known in the area now. Uh, we practiced together in Missouri when uh, we were both still active duty, uh, and we've stayed in touch over the years. And uh, him and his wife every so often would be like, hey, you guys should come check it out. And then finally we jumped in and checked it out. We did check it out in April, so it was uh, <laughs> right. a, little, a little, little warmer, warmer. <laughs> a little, little different. Uh, but as far as moving in January, I was teasing people. I'm like, well, I guess it's kind of like the people who moved to Arizona in July. Just, yeah. right? <laughs> Just yeah. get it over yeah. and get, get those extremes yep. out of the yep. way. Yeah. So your father served in the military. What role did that play in you deciding to serve in the military as well? Um, it was actually, of course, a huge role. Um, initially, uh, 
in college when like the ROTC person called, I'm like, no way, I am not going to be in the military. Uh, and then, um, my dad actually, um, so he in the eighties lost his business in the home and he went back to nursing school, uh, after nursing school is when he joined the military. Uh, and when I was in college, he was actually getting his nurse anesthetist, uh, training and I went home for a summer and rotated in the hospital with them and that's when I met other people who had gone to the uniform services university um, and so I was kind of from that experience led to that and uh, just when you see the costs of medical school um, that's how I ended up that's down that big, road yeah yeah, yeah. and I'm very grateful for that opportunity you've been stationed in several different areas do you, do you have a favorite um, it's probably very much between Hawaii and Germany um, Two really awesome places. I know, because I actually, we talked about, I was there with my dad, but uh, that's where I did my residency training. So I went back to Oahu for residency. So I was there from 2001 to 2005, um, and I loved it there. Uh, and then my first uh, duty station after residency was uh, Germany. What part of Germany? Um, the first year I was in uh, Würzburg, which is the Bavarian area, uh, and they closed the hospital after that year. So then I went up to Landstuhl. Um, cool. Yeah. That's fun. You've been able to be like all around the world. That's, yeah. That's really yeah. It fun. was really a great experience. Um, Amber, why did you choose to pursue obstetrics and gynecology? What made you want to be an OBGYN? So I originally uh, decided to be an OBGYN when my mom was pregnant with my youngest sister. Um, I'm number two of the five girls. Uh, so I was around eight years old and I was very intrigued by the process. Um, so like almost every day I made my mom show me, we had a book of embryos and pregnancy and where she was. And, um, that's when I decided I wanted to deliver babies. That's really cool. So you're known for a long time then. Yeah. I <laughs> Did you ever sway in like what you were um, going to pursue? I, you know, I like a little bit in college I kind of went like because because I was big into basketball in high school I was like oh maybe I want to be a physical therapist mm -hmm. uh, that was for maybe like two months and yeah. then I went back to med school and then in med school I definitely um, kind of went back and forth but always went back to obstetrics yeah well it sounds like it's a really good fit for you um, so how long have you been in practice then um, well, I graduated medical school in 2001, Okay. so almost 19 years, and I was done with residency in 2005. Really cool. So you've, you've probably had awesome like experiences working in the field. Is there like a standout memory or experience that you've had as working as an OBGYN? Um, well, I think, honestly, there's always uh, great experiences. That's the nice, that's part of what I was drawn to obstetrics, too, is there's a mostly happy of course it can be uh, devastating and sad but it's primarily a, a happy fun field uh, people are coming to, to see you for that and not because something's wrong so that makes it always fun mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, over the years I've found it to be special when uh, I get to deliver colleagues or like the labor and delivery no nurses and be a part of their life awesome Amber do you have any favorite uh, delivery stories um, yeah, I actually uh, had the opportunity to deliver my younger sister. I actually delivered her uh, last two babies. Um, so when I got out of the military um, with her number three, her and I were pregnant at the same time. And uh, so that was kind of funny because I remember I, uh, she was in labor 
and I had to go home and do something with the kids. And then I actually got called and yelled at by my dad that I had to get back to the hospital. <laughs> and I thought, I'm how old and I'm getting yelled at <laughs> by my father. Yeah. Uh, he's like, you got to get here. You're like, I think I'm so, the doctor. <laughs> yeah. So I, I did make it back in time and, and delivered that baby. Um, and then I actually had uh, my son 12 hours later. Uh, so we were in Whoa. the, yeah, so we were actually in the hospital together. So we go on postpartum and visit each other. Um, yeah. And so our two boys are very close. Um, and then for, I, I also had the opportunity to deliver her last one, but that one ended up in an emergency C-section. Uh, so it wasn't as, uh, exciting, but it was still a bonding moment for us. Mm -hmm. Very cool. That's awesome. I've always wondered how an OBGYN picks an OBGYN for her stuff. I mean, who delivered your babies? Um, so my last one I had delivered by a colleague, one of my friends that I worked with. Um, and then the other two were in the military. And um, so honestly, I just I didn't want to deliver with the – because, like, the – the other OBGYNs, the one was an intern when I was a senior oh. resident, and the other one was uh, an intern when I was a fourth-year med student. So I actually ended up delivering with one of the gals down the road. Okay, sweet. After having your first delivery uh -huh. in pregnancy, did it change the way you approached um Yes. Yeah. Um, I actually think, uh, it made me better. Um, because I, I did the job for probably eight or nine years before I had my own pregnancy. Uh, and I realized like, Ooh, I didn't get it. Like I thought I did. I listened to thousands of women over the years and I'm like, Oh, I got this. And then to actually uh, go through it yourself. I'm like, I didn't get it. Uh, yeah. so I definitely think it, it made me uh, better clinically. That's awesome. So what would you say is your favorite part of your job day to day? Um, I, you know, I think just having the daily interactions with people and getting to know them and their families. Uh, I think that's the, I like OB and UIN, but that's definitely the nice part about OB is you really are part of the family. Um, after doing a couple deliveries, you get to know the husband, the other kids. Um, I get to know moms and grandmas and I take care of them on the GYN side. Right. Uh, so I, I really like that it's a kind of a full circle, family circle of care. Yeah, that's neat. Okay, so now that we've gotten to know you a little mm -hmm. bit better, we did want to dive into our topic for today, and that's common pregnancy questions, maybe for new moms or just different pregnancy experiences. So some common questions. What What's the top five questions you're asked from oh, new moms goodness. or expectant moms? Um, I think we talked a little bit about things to eat is a common one. Um, I think exercise is always a concern uh, with questions about that. Um, there's also, like, travel questions. Um, I'm trying to think of the five. Then it kind of gets into a lot of labor and delivery and, mm -hmm. and those type of expectations, I think, and concerns. Perfect. So going into that, what kind of diet should uh, a pregnant mom? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, have. the, yeah, the most important is just having a well-rounded diet. Um, I think uh, in society, unfortunately, we definitely do too many sugars and, <laughs> and that's right. not just pregnant ladies, that's all of us. Right. Um, so, you know, definitely not doing too much of that, eating healthy, your, your vegetables, um, 
and and just take, keeping a well-rounded diet. Are there certain foods that they should avoid? Um, as far as the foods to avoid, um, it's uh, they do talk about your um, cold cuts and uh, uncooked meat. So really making sure everything's cooked well, mm-hmm. um, and that's infectious risks. Um, and then as far as on the fish, it, fish is still fine to eat. It's just they say in moderation, and it's your larger fish with the mercury that they say to worry about. So mm-hmm. and it's so it's your shark and tuna and, and right. those guys. Your halibut is fine, um, right. and really just making sure it's well cooked. Um, it's funny though, being in Hawaii, they would, you know, because I think we talked about before sushi and raw food, right. and I always like. Well, they're still eating it. I know they're eating it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. like Japan eats it all. <laughs> but right. the idea is infection. So really it's trying to make sure it's well cooked. Yeah, definitely. Aren't cheeses also like on oh, that Oh, yeah, list? your unpasteurized cheeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. So your soft cheeses. Mm-hmm. Your, so that's like blue cheese. And your feta. feta. Like yeah. Yeah. I've only recently become familiar with gestational diabetes. Can you talk about that? What causes that and who's prone to developing it? Yeah. So gestational diabetes, I think is a, can definitely be more complicated. Um, it's definitely a component of what you eat and, um, you know, obesity is a risk factor. Um, but, uh, you definitely have people who are just a genetic predisposition. Um, and you'll know those ones a little bit more so too. And you talk to them, uh, they'll say, Oh, my dad has diabetes. My sister has diabetes. So, um, you know, if you're overweight, if you have a first, uh, uh, your first degree, uh, relationship, uh, a family member, a first degree family member with gestation or with diabetes, your increased risk. Um, and then anybody who has previous, uh, gestational diabetes is an increased risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know a ton about it. So is that just like pregnant women are at risk more for gestational diabetes? Well, we screen everybody. In right. the old days, they used to not screen everybody. And then they found that by doing that, because they tried to do it just on risk factors, they missed people. Oh, I see. Um, so it's universal screening, and you do it between 24 and 28 weeks of gestation. <laughs> um, and it starts with what we call one-hour glucose test. Right. Um, and then if you uh, fail the one-hour glucose test, then you have to do a follow-up, which is the three-hour one, and that one's the diagnostic one. I see. Um, and it's an important one to know because we know it has um, worse outcomes in pregnancy. Um, big babies, increased C-section can be if it's uncontrolled stillbirth. Um, and then you also know those ladies who are gestational diabetics, um, over the next 10 years, up to 50% are uh, likely to become an actual diabetic. Oh, I see. So it's one that if they're gestational diabetic, you actually – after pregnancy, screen them, and every couple of years they should get looked at for regular diabetes. Okay, that's good to know. So jumping back to these, like those top like four, three or four questions that we asked you, one of them that we mentioned was exercise. Um, is exercise something that women should like? Obviously, it's important to do, but what should right. be avoided or, or be done during pregnancy? Um, so they actually did a study a few years ago that showed um, people who are already high intensity. Um, exercise, they were fine to continue it. Um, so they're really, you can really be very active. I've had patients who are still marathon runners who are still running five miles a day. Um, 
my sister was a CrossFitter and she yeah. kept doing it. Um, so it, you just, if you're not there, it's not the time I tease patients, not the time to train for a marathon, <laughs> right. but if you're already active, absolutely stay active. Um, and if you're not active, you can be more active, but that's where you need to probably be a little more cautious and sure. getting into it. But, you know, they say like not increase your heart rate past 140, maintain it there. Um, and I always tell people that absolutely need to hydrate and then really just listen to your body. Perfect. I know we as women worry about our weight mm-hmm. and when you become pregnant, that's something at the top of your mind. How, how much weight will I gain? What is common to expect? Yeah. Well, so we recommend that a normal weight, uh, patient, uh, weight, um, gains 25 to 35 pounds in the pregnancy. Um, if you're already coming into it overweight, then we actually recommend that you're more in the 15 to 25 pounds. Okay. Perfect. Gotcha. Yeah, if I may, my wife, um, she's had three children, and all of them have been breech, and so uh, she's had three C-sections. Um, do you know why that would be? I mean, it, are, are certain anatomies predisposed to uh, breech babies? or? Uh, there are. There are some women um, who have what's called a uterine anomaly, uh, which means their uterus isn't normally shaped. It can be uh, heart-shaped or can we be missing part of it. That can be called a, a unicornia. Um, the heart-shaped one is called a bicornia. Those are definitely increased risk of breach. So we tell those women they're increased risk of breach deliveries, um, preterm, and it can be some growth restriction. Um, usually though, the, the tough part about your situation is you're usually going to see that at the time of the C-section so that you can tell the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had patients in the past, uh, I had one gal who, um, she didn't know she had a bicornia and the baby was breech. And we tried to do the external cephalic version where we mm-hmm. try and turn the baby and they don't budge because their right. head is just kind of locked into that. The horn, yeah, yeah, the horn, the the part of the heart there, um, and so usually, what if I know somebody has that, I won't even give them the option. I'm like, uh, we're wasting time and mm. risk by trying to turn the baby, um, but that's probably the main thing I can think of that really sets people up for persistent breach. You know, under you can also have other little shapes inside of it where it can have like a little septum or an art, what's called an arcuate. Um, but again, somebody should notice that at, at time of C-section. So if you have a C-section, can you have a traditional uh, birth experience with the next child, or is it going to be a C-section every time? No, it, you can. That's called a, uh, well, they'll call it a TOLAC, a trial of labor after cesarean. Uh, and then if it's successful, it's actually called a vaginal breach after cesarean or VBAC. So you'll hear people say, oh. I want to try for a VBAC. Mm-hmm. Um, it all depends. Uh, we actually have a... A calculator that you can go through and and to see what their risks are but the biggest thing at a new ob appointment if somebody tells me they've had a previous c-section is we really go over why and what happened um you tell people if it were for breach or for like the fetal heart rate tracing that's considered not necessarily a reproducible uh event um because that was just kind of what happened um if it's because they stopped dilating or the baby stopped coming down that's called an arrest of descent um that could be occur again because that could be your body your pelvis and your size of baby um so i always tell people if it was for breach or heart rate tracing uh, because we tell people successful vbac is about 60 to 80 percent i tell people if it's for the 
the arrest disorder, they're probably closer to that 50 to 60%. Whereas if it for breach or heart rate tracing, they're closer to the 80%. And then the, we, of course, reassess everything at the time, you know, because do they now have gestational diabetes? Is the baby breach again? Is mm-hmm. it a bit, you know, uh, so you kind of go back over things as you get closer. Perfect. And then just wrapping it up, one of these last questions that we wanted to ask, like maybe one of the more common ones was traveling during pregnancy. Could you hurry and touch on that point? Yeah. So the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology actually says you can travel by flight until 36 weeks. Um, I always warn people, though, years ago I had a patient who she was 31, 32 weeks. Uh, and this is when I was in Arizona and she traveled to Vegas for a, uh, she was a teacher mm-hmm. and had a conference uh, and then unexpectedly went into labor. Uh, so I always tell people, I'm like, by guidelines, you're fine to deliver at 36 right. weeks, but you always have to keep in mind what if something were to happen. Right. Um, so I always warn people like, just Are be, you, just be wary. <laughs> just something. Yeah. Cause you can't predict things. Yeah. Um, and so I always laugh. I'm like, and I, ideally I would actually rather you, you know, travel at 37. Cause if you go into labor, you can have the baby and come home Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, as opposed to then you're done. But yeah, so they say air travel until 36 weeks. Um, and then right now, of course the, you should watch, uh, look at to the CDC, um, is the Zika travel right. precautions so really we say not to travel south so mm-hmm. uh, south america mexico kind of things very cool well we're so happy to have had um amber bay here on the podcast today and so happy that she's a part of ogden clinic now um for more m- information on her you can visit ogdenclinic.com and for all of our audience that has tuned in and listened today thanks for listening to the, the daily, daily diagnosis, diagnosis. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Daily Diagnosis. We're so happy that you joined us today. If you would like to find more information about Ogden Clinic, our providers, or locations, visit us at ogdenclinic.com. If you're listening today from Apple Podcasts app, make sure you leave us a review or subscribe so you can receive more information about the different episodes that we post. We love getting feedback from our audience, so those reviews are priceless to us. If you also would like to shout us out on social media, our Instagram handle is at Ogden Clinic. You can also send us a DM if there's a topic that you would like our providers to cover, and we really look forward to hearing from you. We post episodes weekly, so tune in next week, and we can't wait to be with you again. Have a great week.